Welcome to the Cult of the Clock Tower. I am Andrew Nathanson. Every other week, a special guest and I have an in-depth discussion about a character from the game Blood on the Clock Tower. Today's character is the Savant, a townsfolk from the Sex and Violets edition, whose ability reads, Each day you may visit the storyteller to learn two things in private. One is true and one is false. All right, welcome back, everybody. Uh, today I am joined for the second time by Stephen Medway. Hey, Stephen, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. You're here to talk with me about the savant today, which I think is a great character for you to talk about because it's such an interesting one in like context of the game design and stuff. For the listeners, I'm just going to give them a brief overview of how to run the savant uh, and like common mistakes that people might make, and then we'll get into a discussion. So... The way the savant works is that the savant during the day goes and talks to the storyteller, and the storyteller tells them two pieces of information in private. One of those is true, the other is false. Uh, that gets messed with, of course, by drunken poison, in which case the pieces could be arbitrary, you know, true or false, uh, both of them. And it also gets messed with by Vortox, of course, and Vortox uh, forces both of those pieces of information to always be false. Um, it's completely up to the player to talk to the storyteller. If they choose not to, the storyteller won't say anything to them. Did I miss anything about <laughs> how to run it that people might not understand? I, th I think that that pretty much covers covers most bases. I think the only thing is, in, in terms of how to run the savant, is that it's up to the player to approach the storyteller, and the player the player can choose not to do that. The reason for this is because, like, initial savant, players were sort of looking at when I at me as in the storyteller role, waiting for me to call them up. And it always kind of confirmed that they were the savant player because I, I don't know what evil's bluffing is. And the savant changed a while back from you, like you must do something to you may, which help, helps in bluffability. So sometimes players would forget or a new player didn't realize that the, uh, the savant was uh, as powerful as, as it was and just going, oh, I'll just wait and use my ability uh, in a couple of days' time. So just to make things a little bit easier for the players and to give them a few more options, it was changed to May. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Before we get into this, do you want to talk a little bit more about like the design philosophy behind Savant? Because I think it's such an interesting character, especially because it's so open-ended. And that's it's one of the characters that you look at when you first... Uh, read about the game, or at least I did, and I'm like, wow, that's a that's like a cool idea, and that that can only work in Blood on the Clock Tower, where you have the yeah, storyteller. Yeah. Oh man, um, well, funny story. The savant, I used I used to keep a list of characters that were like printed uh, and in use, official, if you want to call it, at the time, mm -hmm. and a list of uh, a list of brainstorming. I still have my brainstorming list, and the brainstorming list was all the characters that had a cool idea that wasn't quite working and needed a bit of tinkering before they got put into play. And there was a secret joke list where all of the characters that had <laughs> that were just too wild, too silly, too crazy, like just, it, that's a funny idea, but it's never going to happen, never going to happen. And the savant was at the head of my joke list. This is in way early days. Huh. Um, and then I just had a day where I went, oh, screw it. And I put it in and it was, it was an immediate hit. So the, the design philosophy was let's, let's see, Let's see how much this can wreck a game because it's so ridiculous. <laughs> and it worked. It worked really well. The, the theme is uh, one that thematically taps into something that isn't 
very common, at least in the board games that I've that I've encountered. We tend to be very intellectual people and have intellectual themes, like we'll have a million different words for scientist. But in the area of intuition or insight or vision, in the sense of a visionary, uh, we, we, we tend, being gamers, we tend to overlook that. So the savant was meant to be a character that um, relies relies heavily on the non the, the non logical part of one's brain of just getting getting a huge amount of information or a vision of something unusual and then trying to put the pieces together later as opposed to something like the Ravenkeeper which gets one solid piece of information and the question is what do you do with that so it, it's meant to be a character that taps into. Uh, people's intuition and wisdom as opposed to sort of intellect and symbol manipulating ability. Yeah, that's an interesting, like it is, there's so much information associated with it. I wanted to ask you about the the savant and the artist. I'm wondering which of those characters came first because they feel fairly yeah, similar yeah. in a lot of ways to yeah. me, but... Uh, but both at the same time. Oh yeah? Was artist also on that joke list? <laughs> yeah, yeah, the artist was on the joke list as well. Um, the, Interesting. Um, they were like way down on the joke list because it sort of made a bit more sense. Um, yeah, Flower Girl and uh, Town Crier at the same time happened at the same time. That's why they they're so similar. Artist and Savant happened at the same time, and they're basically yeah they're sort of sister characters. One allows the storyteller to get extremely to literally get as creative as they want to be, and the uh, mm -hmm. other allows a player to get as creative as they want to be. So yeah, very cool interaction between those two, or not even just interaction, but just like the way they affect the game i think it's it's hard to have such an open-ended ability and without the context of blood on the clock tower that really allows that to happen yeah yeah and that, that's why that's why the themes were chosen like the artist is artist is similar to the savant in that a different part of the brain mm -hmm. is um is active a more a more sort of holistic something holistic creative different every time as opposed to a lot of the other characters which can tend to repeat themselves yeah, so with all that in mind, let's talk about playing as the savant. There's a lot of things you can do strategically about playing as the savant, although it's also going to be difficult to talk about because it's kind of different every time. But do you have like any general advice you would give to players to start off when they're playing as savant about just how to manage the game and how to manage that huge amount of information they're going to get? Panic. <laughs> First step is panic. Uh, second, second step is, is panic even harder. <laughs> I, there's there is no there's no general strategy for the savant. I mean, there's there's a whole bunch of strategies that tend to be common strategies depending on what type of information you get. But it's it's so reliant the the savant strategy is so reliant on the information that you get that really you sort of and until you figure out what you're doing, you have to rely on a couple of um, tried and true. First of all, stay alive as long as you can. Um, yeah, savant. The savant gets great information and gets great information every day. So uh, stay alive as long as you can. Or if you're feeling particularly crafty, uh, don't come out as the savant. Don't visit the storyteller. Maybe even bluff as a different character so that you can stay alive for a couple of days and then go to the storyteller and get your information when there's less players. So savant information when there's five players left alive tends to be more useful than when there's 15. but that is not that that's not a that's not a steve approved strategy that's more of a feeling really risky <laughs> yeah i mean i've i've seen i haven't really seen that happen and i think that's because 
and this is something not the, really the savant does in general, but in most games I've seen, there's t- typically like three or four players who will just go and talk to the storyteller, even if they have no reason to, just in case there's a savant who wants to blend into that crowd. Yeah, yeah. Um, if if you're if you're a good player, uh, covering pretending to be the savant, kind of like pretending to be the juggler, will help mm-hmm. the savant. So it's um it's 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 definitely a character that relies on the intelligent player of your teammates. I suppose the big one with Savant, and this is a bit, it's sort of nitpicky, but it's really useful, is really pay attention, if you're the Savant, really pay attention to what the storyteller is saying and the specific words that they're using. Because I've I've seen a lot of Savant players come up, have, have a chat, and I'll tell them their two pieces of information, and sit, sit back down and reveal their information to the group. And th- their information is almost but not quite what I told them. It's incorrect in a subtle way that is leading 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 them down the down the wrong path. Uh, a, a simple example would be uh, just making something up. Now it's probably not the best example, but if the <laughs> one of the pieces of the savant information is the minions voted yesterday, and if you go back down and say a minion voted yesterday, it's it, it sounds like it's the same thing, but it's actually quite different. The minions yeah. voted means all of the minions, whereas a minion means one of one of all so it's probably not the best example but if if you're the savant just just pay pay attention <laughs> yeah and i would say that for the savant you also want to like clarify with the storyteller when possible right like if in that situation if i heard that as the savant i would usually like repeat it back to the storyteller as clarification yeah that's that's fine and i feel like that's just like Especially if you're not 100% sure. Like, don't ever go back to the group not being 100% sure of what you heard, basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's, that's, that's fine. Like, a lot of, if, if you're the savant, you don't understand, just, just ask the storyteller, does that mean this or does that mean that? Because the, the storyteller isn't trying, they're trying to deceive you, but they're not trying to trick you on a personal level, usually. Uh, they're, not trying to, yeah. they're, they're not trying to deliberately make you flub your role. They're trying to yeah. help you understand, so that's... Like, I, I think the storyteller will often be trying to give you information that fits together in kind of tricky ways that you might not expect, but they're not going to be trying to, like, catch you in a misunderstanding of a word or something, mm. uh, most likely. <laughs> like, or at least they probably shouldn't be. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a difference between deliberately giving someone false information because in the game you're playing the role of a deceptive person and being a human being that is tripping someone else's else up so that they don't understand they're, they're two totally different things but yeah so i think that's that's one of the st- best things to keep in mind at the start of the game and when you're first playing a savant is just like the storyteller is not going to be like you can work with them to some extent and they're giving you the information that they want you to know yeah i mean that's i yeah i, I think i really like what you just said about working with the storyteller like one of the one of the things that i'll, I'll do as a player um and i'll always encourage players players to do you know if if you're if you're the savant and you're just not getting you you're just totally lost you can say to the storyteller look i'm not i'm not really getting what's happening i think this is just too confusing can i have something that's a little more concrete and a good storyteller will say okay sorry i you know i i thought i thought i was i didn't realize i was being so vague the storyteller may say no i'm actually just going to keep giving you vague information i i'll tell you why at the end of the game and that reason could be good is absolutely about to win <laughs> <laughs> but yeah even just just saying look I, I i don't understand or can i have can i have slightly different information today or 
something like that. And then you'll have a, you'll get a storyteller that works with you and uh, plays yeah. plays the role of uh, the the game master or dungeon master and helps you helps you figure out enough to make the game interesting, but not so much that it ruins the game for everyone else. Yeah, I think to to that end, uh, what you're just saying about like, oh, maybe they have a reason they're giving you kind of uh, vague information or whatever. I feel like that's something you can kind of take into account when you're playing. It's like if you get some information, you're like, well, how is this ever going to help me? Maybe you can like sometimes assume, okay, maybe well, the good team's winning then. Yeah, yeah. Like if, if your information is not helpful, it's possible that the storyteller stuffed up and just gave you something that wasn't very helpful and it's possible that it's yeah exactly that it's it's not meant to be helpful and you and that in itself is information yeah so that's that's something that like i wouldn't rely on it i would never like be like i have solved the game we must be winning because my information doesn't help but uh i think i think it's something that occasionally is worth considering yeah I have a few little like just tricks like that where it's like even if i don't get that much out of the information itself i kind of I don't know, like understand the information on a meta level. I don't know, like one of those things is that I usually try to assume that the storyteller is giving me information that, or or like if I'm trying to like pick out which piece of information is true, I'll often kind of just be like, well, I feel like the simpler piece of information is true. Um, and that that's for two reasons. One is that just like uh, the one that would be easier to be true, it's like it requires fewer assumptions to be true. That's kind of Occam's razor. Uh, if you know what that is, that's yeah. just the, pick the piece of information that requires the fewest assumptions to be true. And the great thing about that is even if you're wrong, it's most likely to be easier to prove that piece of information wrong because it is simpler. I, yeah, I think, I think this, this comes under the, the heading of, uh, meta, metagaming the storyteller, which is, which is perfectly fine. I encourage metagame. I don't encourage breaking the rules of the game, but I think metagaming yeah. is fine. And doing doing the simplest thing is uh, taking the simplest interpretation is usually the it's the best starting point, even though it might get disproved later on. But if you've really got to know your storyteller to play meta, That's true. meta stuff. <laughs> like I've I've had a few games where we've had uh, uh you know we've had twelve or thirteen veteran players and one new player, and all the veterans have said, "Look, there's no way that Steve made you the drunk." Uh, <laughs> and I'm looking at the grimoire with, and the new player's the drunk. <laughs> Because I knew that that's what the players would be thinking, and then we played again, yeah. and they went, "All right, well, you're since you're claiming fortune teller, you're definitely not the drunk this time. There's no way that you'd be the drunk two games <laughs> in a row." And I'm looking, and they're the drunk two games in a row. So I'll often, as a storyteller, be aware of how my players are metagaming and do and mix it up fifty percent of the time, so that so that they can't do that. But if as a player, you're more than welcome to do that. Um, I th- and I, th- I think that's a good place to start. That's kind of, yeah, Occam's Razor fails when you have somebody who can choose to actively work against it, you know? <laughs> well, that, well, that's that's why being a storyteller, is, particularly with um, advanced players, is so fun, is because you've got you've got the tools to create something really quite complicated that it, that is the that it, that weird edge case, and you can in, instead of instead of just sort of you know the butler did it type of uh, murder mystery where all the clues point to the butler and the butler did it and people figure it out you can create something really convoluted that you're constantly giving clues to and have the butler did it as a red herring um Mm -hmm. and that's oh that's just really rewarding when you're working working with a uh uh, and an advanced player as the savant or a group of advanced players 
Also, incidentally, there's there's a band called Occam's Laser, and I've never li- yeah. I've never listened to them, but every time I hear, every time I come across them, I just think that that's <laughs> that's the best name for a band I've ever. It's I've a great come band across. name. Occam's Laser. It's like a synth wave, uh, <laughs> funky eighties. I think it, I, it's, I'm making this up, but I imagine it is like a synth wave eighties retro electro type of thing. But anyway. <laughs> That reminds me of a uh, Newton's flaming laser sword. Have you ever heard of that one? <laughs> no, I haven't. What is Newton's flaming laser sword? <laughs> oh, it's um, I think it's an it's another one of these like philosophical razor type things. But it basically says like anything that cannot be proven with evidence, like anything where evidence cannot exist to prove or disprove it, is not worth arguing about. <laughs> is pretty much how that goes. Oh, it's kind of uh, like um, oh, similar to like Bertrand, like Russell's t- Bertrand Russell's teacup. I don't know if I heard that one. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. Um, oh, I'm probably butchering the, the point of it. It's like Bertrand Russell says, uh, sorry, a, a British philosopher, early early 1900s. So there very well may be a teapot, a, uh, a China teapot uh, in orbit around the earth. But since I cannot, since I cannot see it and I cannot, uh, there is no experimental evidence for it or reason to think that it is there, that does... Uh, that because that evidence is lacking, my default position should be to not think about it as opposed to assume assume that it's one way or the other. Yeah, it's like the burden of proof lies on the person making the claim that is make or just the person making a claim. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> interesting. Yeah, those are. I, I, got, I got that completely wrong, but it's really interesting. I, I yeah, I just googled it actually, and I think you got it pretty much correct. <laughs> yeah. I don't I don't know how much these apply to uh, playing Blood on the Clock Tower, but <laughs> maybe there's something to keep in mind. I guess there's another like there is there are some like I don't know. This is something weird that I've kind of thought about actually recently was like how like are there things that you can kind of shortcut in Blood on the Clock Tower to like help make your decisions about the game uh kind of like philosophical razors and most the thing about these in Blood on the Clock Tower is that most of the time they don't work because you have the storyteller and you have players doing wild things. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think uh, they. It, it depends what you're talking about, but um, if if I understand if I understand you correctly, um, actually, I'm not. I'm not sure if I do understand you. Can you rephrase what you're what you're talking about? Well, I mean, there's just like like basically trying to. Like when you're thinking about the world of the game, because often when I'm thinking about Blood on the Clock Tower, I'm thinking of it in terms of like, okay, well, if I believe this, then that puts me in this one universe. Oh, right, um, yeah. And I'm I'm trying trying to think of like, are there like simple thought tools that you can use where it's like, sure, this universe is technically possible based on the information I have, but I'm just going to disregard it because it's not worth thinking about. Oh yeah, absolutely. And like there are, I feel like that's something you kind of have to do through intuition. It's hard to come up with rules about that. Where like you can, unless you can like logically rule out something, it's hard to, hard to have like a rule of thumb about ruling those situations out. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I would, I would disagree. I, th- I think, um, in in a similar way, when 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 you're reasoning, when you're reasoning, in a logical way, there's a number like in just in general, there's a. There's a, num- a number of logical fallacies or errors that you can make that are use- useful when pointed out, but that does not can sort of influence the direction that your 
that your logic is taking, even even though a sort of study of like if you go, go to university and study study logic or you know theoretical or um, sort of in computer science or whatnot, that doesn't really carry over to normal logical human reasoning with certainty. Mm-hmm. Sort of reasoning with uncertainty. There's there's a number of there's a number of red flags that, that say that you might be going in the wrong direction. So when you're when you're talking about um different universes, a good one is um the uh, the technique called reductio ad absurdum, which basically means you take a you you take a theory. In your case, the, the phrase you used used was universe, universe or theory or narrative or whatever you want to call it. And you just assume that it's true and you take it to its logical conclusion. And if that logical conclusion is ridiculous uh, or obviously incorrect, then your premise is incorrect. So you need to come up with a new premise. That's a good one. Um, paying attention to people who are, who, are not re- who are not being reasonable in the, in the sense of reason, like who are attacking a, a person's character or something, yeah, a, classic, a classic beginner player might say, oh, you, mm-hmm. of course you're the demon. C- claiming to be the saint uh, from Trouble Brewing, claiming to be the saint is exactly what the demon would do. And that's, that's, that's a good argument, but it's missing the second part of the argument, which is that's also what the saint would do. Yeah. <laughs> so paying, paying attention to which, to which arguments are incomplete is a, is a good way to have red flags and, and paying attention to which premises lead to Lead to ridic- lead to ridiculous, either impossible or highly unlikely conclusions. We've had a, a, like a couple of games where it's like, all right, if the savant the the savant was told that this player is uh, Evan is a minion, or Amy is sitting next to Amy's, both of Amy's neighbors are the same alignment. Um, if Evan is a minion, means that assuming that Evan is a minion is true, means that Amy's neighbors. Uh, different alignments, which means that one of them is the demon, which means the demon changed last night, which means uh, the original demon was this, which means you're, in for, you're lying, which means this and this and this and this, and it becomes this convoluted thing. It's quite, it's possible that that convoluted thing is true, but if you take the other assumption that Amy's Amy's neighbours are the same alignment and the, the, the narrative just makes much more sense, you can't prove it one way or the other, but always go exactly as you were saying with uh, Occam's razor and just go the this is the simpler explanation um, and that, that's when a lot of human stuff comes into play yeah I think Occam's razor works most of the time the the situation I would caution you against is sometimes something really weird happens in the game like maybe Amy's neighbor did change into the demon last night they used to be the snake charmer and you know simultaneously some other weird thing happened and sometimes as a storyteller I'm left looking at it and I'm like well in order for the players to like figure out that this happened, I want to clue them in somehow. Yeah. And I sometimes will use the savant to do that. So sometimes the weirder situation is the true one because I'm specifically trying to use the savant to give the good yep. players a clue about the weird thing that happened. Yep. So I would I would broadly agree that like, yeah, you can you can use these things, but it's like you can use Occam's razor, but it doesn't always work. <laughs> uh, it's it's not a guarantee. <laughs> Well, it wouldn't be any fun if it was. <laughs> um, but like, yeah, as 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 a player, it's a good rule of thumb. It's it's basically a, a good place to start until you've got until you until until you've got conflicting information or even just a hunch that I yeah lied to. But um, I think what what you said about um, 
as the storyteller being able to give clues to this this convoluted situation like that's what that's what makes the savant so great and that's why it's so fun yeah. from the storyteller's point of view if something really ridiculous is happening like you have a a pit hag created turned one of the evil twins into the witch and then swapped the then swapped the the barber died and swapped the witch with the fangu and then the pit hag chose himself to become the demon and created a uh, the old demon you know something weird happened and it's this really strange thing. You can use the savant, give players information that clues them in to that, which because otherwise good just will have no chance of winning. But you can also do it the other way around. If the good team is really has just really figured everything out, something something very unusual has happened, and the good team has figured it out, and evil's really struggling, and there's that there's that simpler explanation that the more reasonable players are talking about, you can give Savant information that will bolster that, that simpler piece of information. For example, if, if the players are talking about, oh, yeah, I, I'm sure, what, I'm, what I'm sure has happened is that we've had an evil twin that has changed and the demon has swapped with this player and then this person's changed alignment and blah blah Or we have a mutant in play. You can keep giving informa- <laughs> information to the Savant. Either um, Bill is an outsider or this player changed last night. And then the, the next day your information is um, there is a mutant in play or something else. So you swaying the game one way or the other by by just mentioning things which may or may not be true to the savant player sort of it does bolster up the the simpler explana- explanation. So it's yeah. It's really fun for the storyteller um, and very challenging for the for the player themselves so moving on from that idea for a little bit to another more mechanical thing with the savant how do you feel about savants taking notes in games i i have no problem with it at all i think in in an offline game the savant the savant taking notes is perfectly fine uh, particularly if the savant player um if if i've got a very experienced highly intelligent player with a good memory i might say no, you, you're on your own. I'm I'm going to ban <laughs> ban taking notes. But for for most players, most of the time, if if the their reason is oh, it's just too much. I want to remember everything. I have no problem. But online, when everything is uh, everything's recorded anyway, it's um, it's a different beast. What's your experience? With that? Yeah, have, have you had it backfire, or have you had it? Um, no, I've I well. The closest thing I've had to a backfire with taking notes is that, so most of the time the Swans in my games haven't taken notes. Just I don't know they may, they haven't thought of it or whatever. Um, I haven't disallowed it or anything. One time that they did though, um, they played. They I thought they played the game really well. They survived until the last day without revealing that they were the savant. And so they hadn't revealed any of this information, and then they ended up with like perfect recall because they had notes of all of the information they'd gotten throughout the game, and it kind of backfired for them because they just had so much information at once on the last day. Yeah. So I don't I don't think that's a problem with taking notes, but I would caution anyone who's doing it that like uh, sometimes I don't know. I guess that's that's just the thing with not even necessarily with notes, but just like sometimes it's better to die a little bit earlier, but like have more time to process your information as the savant, you know. Um, most most savants in the games that I run tend to share their information with the group, so the the group itself yeah. becomes the record. When they share the information, there's 
you know, there's a dozen other people that can remember it for them. The, I guess the upside, the, the reason that I like Savant's taking notes is that it does kind of level the playing field. If, you, if you're a new player, having it all written down makes you more valuable and gets you, it sort of brings you up to, up to speed a little more. But the, the, the downside is more of a social thing is I, I generally am not a fan of it. Uh, Clock Tower is a social game. It's about talking and being with people and having fun with people face to face primarily. And if you're taking notes, you're probably on your phone. And if other people are sending messages, um, having, having sort of 12 people in a game and having four or four people on their phones is not fun. And even though it's even though it can be a good strategy, it tends to make people disengage and the game becomes less fun. So I will it's it's one of those things that I'll tend to allow until it be, and, until it becomes a problem. And then I'll just say, all right, this is like we're, we're playing hardcore now. No notes. I agree with that. Um, I think that like as a player, if you want some piece of actionable advice with that in mind is just like you know, when you're on your phone, if you're taking notes on your phone, like be conscious of what, what it looks like to everyone else and like, make sure you're still, everyone can see that you're still engaged with the game. You know, you're not just completely tuning out on your phone. Even, even if you aren't, if, if, if you're looking like you're tuning out and you are on your phone, then to a degree you are tuning out. So it, I, I'm, I'm going to put that as a, keep that one as a question mark. I, I, I like to allow stuff until it becomes a problem. And then I say, no. And that's yeah. I it's it's that's... never really been a problem in my games. So. Yeah. No. Me neither. But yeah. So I think that notes generally t- fine, but uh, storyteller can absolutely disallow them. And as a player, notes tend to be helpful. Um, but you, but like you were saying, uh, telling it to the group and having the group be your memory, and also, like the other advantage of telling it to everyone is that there's the now that information's in their head. So hopefully they'll be able to figure out something to do with it. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's more fun, and it's also yeah. the savant. The savant is meant to be the the locus of in of a massive amount of information that is spread throughout the group, and so sh- sharing your information as opposed to keeping it secret is is where the fun is because you you get the whole team trying to solve the problem uh, as opposed to trying to deal with it just yourself. I think if you if you if you end up with a player. If, if this is an argument that, that comes up in game, I, th- I think the best way to handle it would be to say truthfully that to, to the savant player, um, if you take notes, I, I will tend to give you less useful information because I know you're recording <laughs> everything and I don't want to make a mistake, so I'm going to give you more vague information. If you're not taking notes, I, I understand that, this is inf- that it'll be information overload, but that's the whole point of the character. Is that there's so much, and you're just trying to get a handle on what's useful and what's not. I, as a storyteller, I feel freer to maybe to to make a mistake. I feel freer to sometimes give you information that's much more useful because I know there's so much that you're not going to keep track of it all. So that's that's an argument for for not taking notes um, that is actually yeah. more useful to the player as well. Interesting. I think the savant is a good character for detecting the vortex. Oh, it's awesome. It's it's an interesting one though. And I think savant in a vortex game is a very interesting dynamic as well because normally the savant has a puzzle where they have to figure out which piece of information is true, but in a vortex game they know for sure both are false. I mean, 
well, I say for sure, but obviously they don't know for sure it's a Vortox game. But like once you're confident it's a Vortox game, I feel like the Savant becomes a lot more powerful. Do you agree with that? Oh, yeah. It's it's almost broken. <laughs> I think legally I'm not allowed to say broken. <laughs> <laughs> the, the Savant is a fantastic detector of the Vortox because you just, you just after two or three days, you just get to the point where you're like, this this just doesn't make any sense. Everything I'm learning is wrong. I'm almost certain there's a Vortox. It doesn't happen as quickly as, you know, I've seen a lot of people use Artist or Juggler to detect the Vortox, where if there's a Savant in play, I'd just rely on the Savant to detect the Vortox. But it, after, you, after you're certain, knowing that all your information inf is false, you're getting, two, you're getting two pieces of information each day, and you know you're not as, as, assuming that there is a Vortox in play. You know that it's it's not possibly wrong if, if you know it it's not possibly yeah. true so the storyteller this if there's a vortex in, in the game the storyteller needs to make sure that their information is it's actually pretty bad not too sort of vague information not too specific because you just have to assume that the savant player is is getting two facts each day that they can reverse engineer over five days, that's ten facts. So one player is is practically ten Raven Keepers. Um, <laughs> like you really, you really need to choose your information carefully. And if you're a player, it's it's the, the best thing in the world to just get two pieces of false information each day and reverse it. And yeah, you 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 become a machine with a Vortex in play. Yeah, it's it's very powerful. Um, but of course, limited by what the storyteller gives you. So something to keep in mind i think that another interesting thing to do as the savant is try to like work with your information across multiple days um like you were saying how the storyteller might give you a bunch of information about the mutant if they're if they either think it's important for you to figure that out or if they think it's important for the game for you to possibly believe that but i think that one of the hardest things to do as savant is like carry forward your information from day one and still have that have some relevant meaning in the final day but I feel like that's also going to be kind of the key to get making the most of your ability is often remembering like, oh, well, this this theory that someone's proposed at the end can't possibly possi can't possibly be true because of some tiny piece of information I had on the very first day. And like, obviously, that's very difficult to remember. And even if you have notes, you might not think to look back that far and like really consider all of your information. That's just like, like that's the upper limit of how powerful the savant can be is like to be able to carry forward some tiny piece of information and rule out some some crucial some crucial interpretation or some crucial narrative and rule it out at just the right moment to win the game. Yeah, it's kind of like um like a like a branching tree in that you you start with two branches and then on the second day those each of those branches yeah <laughs> branches to another two. So most of the time as the savant you're you're looking at your two pieces of information trying to figure out which is true which is false. It's a much tougher challenge. It's doable, but it's a much tougher challenge to put it all together, put the information you got on day seven together with the day with the information on day one. But if just just because with each new piece of information, there's a number of diff different possibilities. So as the savant, I will, will always be trying to just prove that once any piece of information, not the most useful piece, but absolutely any piece of information that I've received is either true or false. Because that, that becomes the rock on which everything else is built. Yeah, that's one thing you don't have to figure out anymore. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like if it's day four and one of your pieces of information is 
and um, this is this is this has happened happened in a game. Um, one of the one of the pieces of information was something something something, or you have been cursed by the witch. It's like, well, mm, I could just assume <laughs> that I'm not cursed by the witch and deal with that, or I could die, nominate, yeah, die, and then just hope that I can put all the other information together, and that that I think is the, is the better strategy. You, you you nominate, you die. You know you're you know you're cursed by the witch. So that was the true piece of information. Then you then you can deduce that the other piece of information is false, and then you can look at all that previous information and say, how does this stack with these two facts that I know? And quite often you'll go, well, that can't be true, and that has to be true. And yeah, once you kind of know one or two things, the rest can unravel. Yeah, which is um, it's beautiful when you can do it, and the, the storyteller will be doing everything that they can to. Under most circumstances, to prevent you from doing that. So. <laughs> I feel like a lot of what we talked about is storytelling for the savant, but that's kind of okay because as a player, you just you got to know what the storyteller is doing. <laughs> I just I've run so many more savant games that knowing what the storyteller is up to is a useful insight in how to play as the savant. Mm-hmm. But I think um, I think the the best as the savant, the best thing that you can do. Is make sure that make sure that your information is correct and not forgotten, whether by, either by taking notes or just by telling someone and they can remember it for you. Mm-hmm. And looking for that one piece of information that is provable, because as soon as as soon as you've got that one piece of information, everything like as you said before, everything else un- unravels. The most common strategy that you'll have as the savant is I don't th- I don't think we've touched on yet. You know that one piece of information is true and one piece of information is false. So just have create two conversations at once. One being information A is is true, and one being inf- information B is true. And mm-hmm. just generate discussion on piece of information A, generate discussion on piece of information B, and see what turns up. Yeah, and sometimes players can help you figure it out. Like it might be the case that. In the extreme, you can even just work directly with them. Like, if there is an artist in the game, you can say, hey, I'm the savant, I've gotten all this information, I feel like this one piece of info is key. Can you help me figure out if it's true or not? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and you, end up, you end up with more information on those two possibilities. Uh, either, all right, I, I learned that an artist is in play, or an outside, uh, there's a different number of outsiders than when the game started. Someone's claiming mm-hmm. to be the artist, okay, so now I know that there's an artist in play and you're the artist and this other thing is false. The the number of outsiders has stayed the same. Or you're lying (laughs) and you're not the artist, which means this other thing is true. So if you're lying about being the artist, uh, the second conversation I was having about uh, the number of outsiders being different than before, I know that's true. So you can then start to... Deep, uh, to sort of tie up all those loose ends and bring the various threads together. Um, but you've yeah. only been able to do that because you've had those, those two different conversations, one on piece of information A, one on piece of information B. You know what I love about those two statements you just gave is that my, the first place my mind goes is, oh, what if the artist is actually the mutant and they're just claiming yeah, to be yeah. the artist? Exactly. <laughs> it's, exactly. It's like, oh, no, now now it's like that person claiming artist supports both pieces of information. Yeah. Um, and you won't know that yet. But in on the final day, they say, look, I didn't want to say anything, but I've I was the klutz 
and you're like, oh, that makes perfect yeah. sense. And then you go and you backtrack your information. But at the time, you needed to have that conversation with the, the player claiming to be the artist. And you needed to have the conversation about the outsiders because someone was saying that there's a Fengu in the game. Yes. Step one, panic. Step two, um, explore all the different threads and find out what doesn't, doesn't make sense. And you'll be left, hopefully, with something that does make sense as the savant. Step three, panic. Yeah, step three is panic. All right. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Let's move to section two here, which is bluffing as the savant, as either the good or the evil team. Let's start with the evil team. Um, You're an evil player bluffing as the savant. I think that this is a difficult bluff, but very rewarding if you get it to work. It's difficult because you just have to give a ton of information that's very easy to, or not easy to poke holes into, but there's a lot of lot of different places that the players could poke holes into the information you give to try to prove that you're not the savant. What do you think about it as an evil bluff? I, I think it's um, I think it's probably the most difficult bluff in, one of the most difficult bluffs in the game. It's not difficult because it relies on your teammates in the way that a uh, washerwoman or a librarian bluff would but because it's so difficult so when you do it and you do it well it will usually be successful because it's because it's so uncommon so if if you if you're thinking about bluffing as the savant i would recommend go for it because at the very least you'll create a very interesting a very fun game (laughs) either for yourself or others but yeah be prepared it's it's a big challenge day after day i yeah I think one thing to keep in mind if you're doing this, the storyteller is probably going to be like, is going to love that you're doing it. Oh, yeah. uh, so, yeah. so they'll absolutely back you up, uh, you know, just like bluffing any other character, but they're going to bl- back you up uh, when you're bluffing Savant. Uh, so like if you say you say something on a day and then some other players like, well, that doesn't make sense because of these reasons, you can be like, well, let me check with the storyteller to see if I make sure I heard them right. Uh <laughs> And feel yeah, free yeah. to do stuff like that. <laughs> I, I think, yeah, go for it. Just like a normal savant can say to the storyteller, hey, I'm just really lost on what to do. Can you help me out? It's not the storyteller's job to tell you, all right, bluff is this or whatnot. But the storyteller can say, like, this is the type of information I usually give. I, I usually mm-hmm. give information about who's good, who's evil, seating position, which characters are in play, that type of stuff. And you're like, okay. Or the storyteller can just say, look, uh, you're bluffing as the savant. You don't. You're a bit lost. Um, let's work out a bluff together. Um, I wouldn't do that with a veteran player, but with a totally new player that wants to take a risk, I'd be like, "All right, I'm I'm here to help as the storyteller." So yeah, don't don't be afraid to ask if you're bluffing as the savant about what to do. I think on the topic of like figuring out what kind of information the storyteller usually gives, there are other things that uh, it depends on how like in tune your players are with you. But like one thing that players who play with me might have noticed is that there's a certain type of information that I always phrase in a certain way, just because I think it's the most clear way to phrase it. So like I would always say there is a dreamer in play and last night they chose Bob rather than saying the dreamer chose Bob last night, because I feel like it's just I don't know. I feel like that's a more clear way to give that particular piece of information. And that's the sort of thing that like if you're bluffing savant and somebody notices you give information in a way that they've never heard me give before that could that could be a tell that you're bluffing and just a short like to make sure that doesn't happen you can just ask the storyteller like here's what i'm thinking of saying how would you phrase this yeah i i think that's fine for the player to check in as a player though i wouldn't be too 
it, it really depends on the storyteller because um as a storyteller i will i will actually do the opposite of of what you just did um i'll often deliberately say the dreamer chose something or other and that's the piece of false information the statement assumes that there is a dreamer in place so it's sort of a bit tricky logistically speaking it's a little bit tricky but it's the kind of it's it's sort of um on a on a normal human conversational level the dreamer chose the snake charmer last night if there is no dreamer in play it's understood that that is a false statement so i often use those kind of word phrasings to deliberately give misinformation because uh you know the logician in the group may jump in and say well actually this has to be the true piece of information because of this this and this but i think if you can one of one of the concerns is that your information is actually true and false but an, another concern from the storyteller's perspective is to create an environment where bluffing is easy so whatever yeah whatever the player needs to get a, to get away with their bluff um i definitely from i definitely facilitate and if i'm the player just just ask like like you said i'm mm -hmm. i'm going to say this do you think that'll fly? The storyteller will be like, yeah, go for it. But they may say, actually, that's <laughs> not quite correct. Uh, similar with artists. You know, I've had a few artists uh, say, oh, I I'm, 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 I'm need to tell the group what, uh, what question I'm going to ask. How about this? Um, if I asked how many, how many evil players voted yesterday, I'll say, you can, you can say that. I can't tell you what to say, but that, that is not a yes or no question. So that wouldn't be a that wouldn't yeah. be a question that I could answer if you were the artist. So I would I would instead instead say something like, uh, "I asked the storyteller, did a, did an evil player vote yesterday?" But you can you can game that as well. Like if you're if you're really pulling some crazy quadruple bluff, uh, I've I've seen I think I might have even done this myself. I've seen a few players come back with impossible information like you'll head up to the storyteller and come back and say i asked how many evil players voted yesterday and i got two and then everyone will <laughs> everyone will call me a liar because that's that's information that literally cannot happen and i'm some character that is just actually just trying to get executed or nominated or something of the sort yeah that's <laughs> that's a funny way to do that but yeah so i guess i mean it comes down to the same thing that a lot of questions in blood on the clock tower do which is just like you know the storyteller is there to help <laughs> yeah the, the storyteller is not there to play for you but the storyteller is definitely there to help you understand what the hell's going on so as far as the type of information to give what have you seen work for people bluffing as savant like are there any particularly in like good lies you've seen that have really like turned the game on its head or turned it around i've certainly seen uh, like a savant who gives like realistic enough information that it just kind of like sucks up all of the attention of the game. And it's like everyone is trying to figure out how to solve this information rather than focusing on other things. Yeah. Um, so um, that's certainly one way to do it. <laughs> oh, this is, there's so much, there's so much you can do. I think um, if you're, if you're bluffing as a savant, there's probably the first two things that come to mind, the, the do's. First of all, make your information really juicy, <laughs> um, so that it just grabs it just grabs the group group's attention. If if one of your pieces of information is the the demon is wearing glasses, and there's 
10 players and four of them are wearing glasses. Um, mm-hmm. That will just grab the group's attention because everyone wants to know who the demon is. You're not, you're not going to be ignored. You will, you will be the center of attention. As opposed to if your information is something like uh, the pit hag created a new character last night and the group already thinks there's a pit hag in play. It's like, yeah, we sort of, yeah, maybe that's useful, maybe that's not. You might get ignored information really juicy just in terms of something that will generate a lot of discussion um then you're onto a winner Uh, i think as as an evil player bluffing this the second piece of advice that i would give is keep your information really vague don't do uh don't do anything really don't do anything too specific and provable it's like with the the demon is wearing glasses example um if there's only one player wearing glasses, uh, if you you're, have uh, 10 players in the game and one of your pieces of information is the demon is wearing glasses or there is, there is a mutant in play, the first thing that the group will do is say, all right, let's test this. We'll execute the person with glasses. And then you've really put yourself out because the game will continue because presumably you didn't choose the actual demon. <laughs> um, the game, <laughs> and the game will continue and the players will say, oh, well, that was definitely false. So we know there's definitely a mutant in play, which means this, which means this. And when the mutant doesn't come out, then you're like, oh, I must be drunk or poison and you, you're screwed. So if you yeah. can keep your information, all your information pointing to a couple of people um, as opposed to getting specific on one person. Uh, for example, another saying, for example, uh, I like to bring real real world stuff into the game, like saying one person on the black couch is evil and there's three people on the black couch. That's information that will generate discussion and get people suspicious of each other. But if you say instead your information is Andrew is evil, then Andrew will know that you're lying or that that's your false piece of information and you've kind of tripped yourself up a bit. So I'd, I'd really think about what you're what you're saying um, and keep it vague. Yeah, and or at least until until the point at which you you want to derail everything and you don't mind going down with the ship. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, every, every, everything is presu- presumed that you 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 want your lie you want your lies to be believed and any truth to be misjudged. Yeah, there comes a point where you can say like, oh, one of my pieces of inf- well, I mean, you wouldn't say this because the storyteller would probably never say this, but like, oh, my information is that Steven's the demon, and then you waste the town's day executing Steven. Yeah, and uh, and then oh, and then it's like, oh, I guess that was wrong, and then everyone decides to execute you, but that's okay because you're a minion. You know that can work out. Yeah, um, it's but um, you have to do it towards the end. <laughs> yeah, yeah, everything everything changes on the final day. Or if you don't mind actually getting executed, like if there's a lot of suspicion on the demon, then actually go for it, because in the example that you just that you just used, the the player that you claim is the demon get exec- gets executed, then a player dies that night, then the following day you get executed, then a player dies that night. You've you've made a specific uh, piece of, a specific piece of information that everyone knows is wrong, but you've gotten four players four players have died because of it and that's that's a pretty good trade-off yeah you can even do better where like one piece of information points to one person as the demon the other piece of information points to someone else as the demon and then you can sometimes get the group to execute both of those other people before they finally turn to you (laughs) if if you Uh, can do that at which point it's too late (laughs) (laughs) if you can if you can successfully do that in a game i want i want um 
I want to know about it immediately. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that would be a very technically possible, but, but uh, yes, I have, I have never seen that happen. Some someday I want to just like as the storyteller give the savant like really like super good information and just have it be so good that they don't believe it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's fun to do when the player's new, or when the player is unlikely to be believed. Um, it's it's yeah. a lot of fun for the game as a whole if one player knows something fantastic and just isn't believed. That it sounds awful. Why why would you? Why would you want to do that? But it actually makes for a really fun game, as opposed to no one knowing anything. It's better to have knowledge out there. One of the one of the most common things, if if you're bluffing as the bluffing as the savant, I, I think it's probably standard practice. Is just remember you don't have to give at all uh, one true and one false piece of information. I would sometimes, maybe maybe one time in three, give one true. If if you want to be le- if you want to be believed that you are the savant and survive, for example, if you're the demon, giving one piece of true, one piece of false information is a good standard, a good standard day yeah. of contributing to an evil victory, because you'll be believed. But generally, I would recommend for evil players bluffing as savants to day one give two pieces of true information. Day two give two pieces of false information. Day three, mix it up. Day four, two pieces of false. Just keep, just keep mixing it up because it creates so much confusion that the good team will latch onto the wrong piece of information and get the wrong person killed. Especially when, like, especially in this, either of those situations, if they can show that one thing's false, they'll start assuming the other thing's true. Yeah, uh, yeah. Which is more damaging when it's not. <laughs> that's actually. That's a that's a more if, if you can plan for that if you're an evil player bluffing and you can plan for sort of two three steps ahead, um, the savant can just be absolutely devastating. An an example might be um, your piece of true information is you happen to know, the, the mutant uh, has told you that they're the mutant. You, you somehow know that there's a uh, a mutant in play, um, and you could your your piece of information could be something like um, piece A. There is a mutant in play. B. Uh, the demon voted yesterday, and if you can sort of just nudge the group into confirming that there's a mutant in play, or nudge the mutant into coming, just say, "Look, just if you can come out, that's great information." Um, talk to the mutant directly, or even just go up to the storyteller and say, "I know that the, the mutant has told me that they're the mutant. Feel free to execute <laughs> them at at your leisure." When the mutant gets executed in an obvious way, then the group will go to that second piece of information that you've given them. The demon has voted yesterday, which must be false if you were the savant, but of course you're not the savant and the demon did vote yesterday. So you've sort of planned that out two, three steps ahead. Yeah. I, I had a game where it was a smaller game. It was about probably about six players or so. I was, um, I was, I can't remember which demon, but I was the demon bluffing a savant. No, no, I was a minion and the, I was a minion and Michelle, a friend of mine was the demon. And I gave two pieces of information, both of which made Michelle look good, but it wasn't obvious that it, you, you really had to put everything together. It was, it was something like, mm-hmm. I, I wish I could remember it. It was something like the, the demon is piece of information one, the demon is female. And there were like, there were two or three females in the group. And piece of piece of information 
two is both my neighbors are good and I was sitting next to Michelle, something like that. So mm -hmm. it could not be logically possible that if my if I was the savant, it couldn't be logical possible logically possible that one of my neighbors was that Mich that Michelle was the dean. Something like that. I've kind of stuffed it up, but if you craft your information yeah, in such a way saying. that certain <laughs> things are impossible, uh, you want to you want you want to make it sound like the true things are literally impossible if you're the savant. Yeah, like or uh, like like the demons wearing glasses and the demons wearing a blue shirt. Well, whoever's wearing blue shirt and glasses can't possibly be the demon then. Perfect example. Uh, that's a that's a more simple example. The um, veteran players will probably see through that. Yeah, but if, yeah. Um, that that gets the idea across. Yeah, yeah. Though, if of you what can, you can sort do. Of put those pieces into play and then have the good people say, oh, because of this, because of this, because of this, the demon is wearing a blue shirt. But because we know that de the demon is wearing glasses, it can't be this person, blah, blah, blah. That that type of thing. You can also bluff as the savant as a good player. I think it's similar to bluffing it as evil, but you're obviously, instead of trying to like suck up all of the attention and like make it so that you're confusing... I feel like you can try to bluff Savant in a way that evil will still want to like target you because typically this is, I don't know, I guess you're a clockmaker or a sage or something where you want to be killed at night. But in, in you're bluffing Savant in such a way that you try to make it so that the evil team still feels the threat of the Savant in play, but your information isn't derailing the game is typically how I would play that. Can you can you give me a, an example of what you mean? Yeah, so like um, maybe if somebody I trust, it like... If I've already decided I trust someone for another reason, I could say uh, and say they're the um, they're the town crier. I could give one of my pieces of information as the town crier is in play or something else is true. And then kind of like as the group kind of be like, OK, well, we all believe that this person's the town crier. So in that case, I haven't really changed that much about the game other than reinforcing that person as the town crier, which I already believed anyway. But any evil player who hears that. And especially if it turns out the other thing I said was false, so I'd probably try to be vague about that so that it's hard for them to tell. Any evil player hearing that is going to say, well, this is a savant, and we need to kill them, even though that piece of information wasn't the most helpful. Who knows what they're going to get in the future? Yeah. Oh, yeah, you can, um, like, bluff, bluffing us the savant, the, the best thing that you can do is, is die. <laughs> yeah. Because, uh, particularly at night, so having... Having the evil, having your fellow evil team back you up, no matter no matter what you're saying, is is really powerful because the savant will will be the center of attention, and even just having one or two people confirm, oh yeah, that makes sense. That one piece of information makes sense with what I know or what I am. Uh, it it just mm -hmm. happens. It it just sort of piles, stacks on itself. The your your inherent trustworthiness. Yeah. And I'll also say that uh, for the good team, bluffing as the savant can be, like we mentioned earlier, it can be important to cover for the real savant that it's not obvious that only one person is going to the storyteller every day. Yeah. I, I just thought, no, the, the thing that I had with Michelle was the two pieces of information I think were the demon is female and my neighbors are different alignments. And I was sitting next to Michelle. And so there was no possible way for her to be the demon because if she was, then my piece of information that the sorry i'm backtracking my, then my piece of information that mm -hmm. my neighbors were different that would have been two true statements which is impossible but i think i think with savant if you're bluffing as the savant 
let the good team uh, the evil team is there to back you up and sort of nod sagely oh yes that makes a lot of sense yes I, yes i believe you're the savant this is this is all making perfect sense the good let the good team do their do your work for you sort of put the put the pieces in play like um like a machiavellian manipulator and then let the let the good team take that information and make the decision that you want them to make don't tell them what decision to make let them come to their own conclusions that's the really that's the insidious thing about a savant bluff is you can make them believe that they've that they're the ones who have come up with this information even though it's based off your lie <laughs> yeah yeah that's 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 the real power of this character which is which is why making planning out what you're going to say and keeping things vague allows you a lot of wiggle room if when things inevitably inevitably go wrong um mm -hmm. unless unless you want to get executed <laughs> <laughs> um all right so let's move on to talking about running the savant as the storyteller we've all obviously been talking about that this whole time but um we can maybe go into some more specific things about the savant um when to put it in the game like when are you comfortable using it with new players when are you not that kind of stuff also like maybe we can g just give some more examples of pieces of information we've given uh, i feel like it's always good to just have like a library of examples that you can draw inspiration from what kind of information as a storyteller do you like to give as the savant do you have a do you have sort of go-to's or do you have like half a dozen yeah. genres or types of information yeah, I mean, I, I tailor it to the situation as much as I can, but sometimes I'll just be stuck and be like, well, I can't think of anything like super inf interesting to give in this situation. Uh, and there are some things that I, I think always are pretty good. Something like, for instance, saying that there is a mutant in play. You mentioned that earlier. That's a pretty good one to just, or any hidden character. It could be any of the outsiders because all of them have reasons to not necessarily want to be publicly claimed. Saying that one of those is in play is always a pretty safe thing to do and it can lead to some interesting discussion especially because outsiders are so like the outsider count is pretty important that's one good thing i also like to do things like kind of give the savant like a night's worth of empath information you know it's like you have one evil neighbor is sometimes a good one i would say those are probably like my two go-to's as like uh, if i had to choose the things that are the most common there are there are lots of other things i'll go towards but those are probably the absolute most common I like to go with. What about you? <laughs> I I would um I've got a couple of uh, a couple of sort of generic fallback ones which uh, will work in almost every game, and they're very very similar to yours. Uh, this character is in play, particularly if that yeah. character is uh, all, well almost exclusively if that character is a character that the won't want to come out, such as the mutant the klutz snake charmer even an evil character actually now that i think yeah, about even it a, even an evil character uh yeah ooh, I, i'd avoid for sex and violence in particular i'd avoid minions because a lot of the minions act in an obvious way but if you're playing a game where the minions are all hidden like in trouble brewing if if you were doing like a custom crossover uh learning that learning that the poisoner is in play like that's just fantastic information you don't know who it is yeah. might be false um, in Sex and Violets, learning, for example, that a pit hag is in play and uh, learning, learning that a witch is in play and then that night someone changes character, 
it's like, well, we we know we now know there's a pitag in place, so that was a bit of a boober. Yeah, and I feel like that can work sometimes if you if you're okay with it being a little bit obvious later. Um, I just like in particular, I wouldn't pair that with anything particularly powerful if I were to do it. I'd I'd give that kind of information if the other piece of information was meant to be the true piece of information. Something like you know, there's there's a witch in play or. Andrew Andrew Nathanson is the klutz, <laughs> um, and I mean it's true. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just like I literally chose the first character that came to mind, and it was the klutz. <laughs> uh, a better Andrew, Andrew Nathanson is the town crier. Might be a better piece because I really want the savant to know that you are the town crier because good is really floundering. Um, but there's enough vagueness. Maybe you're drunk, maybe you're poisoned, maybe there's a vortex, maybe you're sitting next to a Nodashi, but really that should be... Uh, the savant should get to knowing that you're the town crier pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. But the reason, I like, the reason I like to do it for hidden characters is because it, it, creates, it creates a lot of discussion. Um, any, any piece of information that is interesting and creates discussion is a good piece of information. Uh, because that's that's what the game is. The game's about talking and figuring things out. And, uh, oh, that we might have a secret snake charmer or we might have a secret mutant or klutz or even flower girl. That there's a character, someone's lying and we don't know who. That's that's a really mm-hmm. interesting piece of information. And it's something that will get confirmed or denied later on down the track. Particularly in Sex and Violets, learning who the outsiders are is really important. So it's... It's it's one of my go-tos. The other one, like you said, is kind of like empath information. Any any information about who's good and who's evil is really fantastic for Savant. Um, not specific. Like think think of characters like the uh, the empath or the fortune teller or the uh, flower girl or the town crier or um, investigator. Seamstress, possibly. Seamstress, yeah. Seamstress seamstress is a perfect example. Um, giving information about who is good, who's good and who's evil, not what characters they are, but because that's easily confirmed. If I say Andrew Nathanson is the town crier as a piece of information, you're like, no, I'm not. I'm, <laughs> I'm the artist. Then it's like, okay, that's, there's no more discussion. That's obviously wrong. We move on where it's like Andrew Nathanson is, I, I would usually avoid saying Andrew, Andrew, Nathan, <laughs> Andrew Nathanson is evil. Um, but <laughs> It, it can be useful. Either one of these three players, all, all of these three players are the same alignment or these two players are different alignments, so, something like that. So playing with alignments is really, really useful. If you're stuck for information as the storyteller, just think of think of some classic characters and give that. Uh, if yeah. you don't know what to give, give empath information. Uh, if you don't know what to give, give fortune teller information or seamstress information. Who's good and who's evil is vague enough to not be provable, but really still useful. And particularly if you can match it with some other piece of information. For example, all players, all players wearing collared shirts are good. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it just it, it's fun. It people and look around. Sometimes that'll cause people to change their shirts mid game. I've I've had that. I've had that. <laughs> um, my piece of information was um, uh, the. I usually don't like to recommend giving information about the demon unless it applies to about half the group. But I mm-hmm. think my piece of information was um, might have, it was either the demon is wearing glasses, or all evil players are wearing glasses. We had a we had a 
a game where like seven out of 10 people were wearing glasses. And I told this to the savant. The savant told it to the group. The demon got up, asked a question from the storyteller, maybe went to the bathroom, took their glasses off, came back and played the rest of the game without <laughs> glasses. <laughs> and the good team didn't know what was happening. Um, which comes That's back incredible. to the information that I gave was uh, all evil plays, players are wearing glasses. The information that the savant player gave to the group was evil, all evil players wear glasses. And it threw them completely because of that subtle mm. wording change. They're, they're probably, yeah, just if, if you're unsure what to give, just pick another character, um, one that you're very familiar with, and that's one piece of your information, and pick another character, and that's the other piece of information. Flower Girl, Seamstress, Town Crier. Clockmaker. <laughs> yeah, Clockmaker's that's good. one. Clockmaker's I, good. I haven't seen that very often, but I think that the, the like steps around the circle kind of information can be pretty cool too. Yeah. Yeah, you can do stuff like uh, yeah, pick a character and give it a give it a twist. It, it can be all right. Oh, I don't know what information to give. I look at the clockmaker. How many steps from the uh, instead of saying how many steps from the demon to the nearest minion, just say there is a pair of evil players three steps away from each other. Yeah, uh, that's vague and it's still useful. Or uh, a minion is two steps away from an outsider. You've just sort of made your yeah. own, made your own clockmaker esque thing. And of course, it's completely false. But the good players, the first <laughs> thing that they'll do is say, "All right, who's an outsider? If you're a minion, and it, it just ge generates discussion. And discussion is generating discussion is probably your role as the storyteller when dealing with the savant. Mm -hmm. Your the the savant is like your ambassador for a fun game, and you're giving them the information that the group needs, not so much that the savant player needs. Yeah. Anything else you want to say about like example information? We can start talking about some more of the other um, other considerations with the savant. I think just be aware be aware of the different types of information that you're giving the savant. Um, you can give specific information to the savant. Something like uh, Lachlan is the flower girl. That's really specific information that can be verified. If you do that, the the savant or the good team will capitalize on that. So be prepared. Generally, I would avoid giving specific information until you're until you really know the difference between specific and vague information. But so err on the side of vague. Um, I've even had suggestions of players um, that give like general information, was like evil is winning or good is winning is your information, even though that's not an objective fact. It's still sort of it's still true or false in the normal human sense. So um, and watch. Also, also, if you're you're giving information to the savant, sometimes it's easy for the player to misinterpret what you're saying. So, choose choose your word choose your words carefully, um, so that there's no miss so that there's so that there's no misunderstanding from the savant player. Unless you unless you deliberately want to trip the uh, savant player up by saying something like you said before, where you know the your information is the dreamer chose the. The dreamer chose the pit hag, and there is no dreamer, and there is no pit hag. Um, yeah. <laughs> if if your information is interesting, it's sort of similar to a character that exists already. You think it's going to generate discussion, and the savant's the, the savant's going to walk away, going, "Oh, wow, that's really cool. I can really use that." It doesn't actually matter how powerful or how useless the information is. Um, yeah. It's how the it's the feeling, the feeling and the enthusiasm that the savant player will walk away with. 
Yeah. I wanted to ask your opinion on a couple different types of information that I've seen given or maybe given myself. One of those things that I, th- I think you have to be a little bit careful about is difficult to verify information in the, in the sense of, like, obviously, that's not inherently a bad thing. But um, in the sense of, like, if you say, like, three days ago, both minions voted, that, wh- what is your opinion on that? Because sometimes it might be interesting, but I also feel like it can be a little bit lame if you just can't figure out anything about what happened that day. Like, nobody remembers that. <laughs> yeah, um... You you want to give information that is convoluted, or that is going to create con, a, a convoluted mash of information and misinformation. You, you don't you don't want to give information that is that is sort of screwing the player over or relying. Like if someone's not good at maths, I wouldn't give an information like you know the 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 seventeenth digit of pi is a four. Uh, and no one's allowed to use their phones. Like you, you, any anything that's going to make the player think, yeah, that they're being treated that they're being treated unfairly, or um, I, I would avoid. So I think that example I would definitely avoid unless everyone was. Sorry, the information. I, I wouldn't give the information three days ago. Three days ago, ago the demon voted. Was that your? Or I said like all the minions. All the minions, but yeah, similar. (laughs) I I would give that piece of information if everyone was tracking who who was uh, voting and it was important Mm -hmm. for the good team to find out who the minions are or that's what I I wanted to create. If if it's – basically, you want to make a – you want to make a just solvable puzzle. You don't want to make it so difficult that it it is never going to get solved. So I, I would avoid something like that. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And like you said, if if your players are paying attention to it, then it's a different story because now it's like that information isn't as difficult anymore. Sorry, just just before we go on, um, I just thought of an exception to that rule. This is everything I said was like assuming it was true. If we were playing in a game with uh, with no minions, you know, you've got some maybe non-sex and violence game with where there are no minions in the game, there's an atheist or there's a some other strange weird situation i i would definitely give that kind of information with the purpose of spreading misinformation in this case the inf- the misinformation being that there are minions in the game you might have a legion game or something else so there's always an exception to the rule um but again this comes back to what you were talking about originally was like if you're if you're the savant player and you get information it's like wow that's just way too difficult ah oh. I think that that means there's actually no minions in the game. But that's like super crazy edge case scenario. Yeah, I guess I hadn't really considered that because I haven't played any games without minions yet. <laughs> well, I suppose I suppose in, uh, sex and, in Sex and Violets, you could have a pit hag that turns themselves in. You could have a pit hag that turns themselves into a demon. The old demon, that's the old demon dies, true. and the savant's piece of information was... Um, you know the minion. The minion voted three days ago, and three days ago there was no minion. So, yeah, that's true. <laughs> but yeah, just ask. Just just put yourself in the position of the savant. And so, I'm not talking to you specifically, but in the general case, would I would I like to receive this piece of information, or would this feel like the storyteller is setting a challenge that's just too difficult, or that, that I can never figure out? There was another like category that I wanted to ask you about, which is like hypotheticals and this is something that i've kind of avoided doing but i was i just wanted to get your opinion on it which is 
to say something like, it is possible for somebody to change characters tonight. Go for it. I mean, I think that's great. It's don't get too bogged down in what is technical, technically true and technically false from a really sort of second year university logic student type of definition of <laughs> truth. If, if something, if some people know if something's possible and if it isn't, that's really, inf- that's, I would love to get that information because I'd be looking, oh, all right. It's possible for someone to change characters tonight. That means we have a pit hag or we have a barber. And then someone will say, oh, you know, or we have um, a fangu. And so that that information is much more interesting than saying there is a, a pit hag, a barber, or a fangu because it, it, gets, it gets people talking. It's unique. And unique information is always always makes the game more fun and more memorable so i I go for it absolutely yeah i I think the one the case i would warn people about a little bit with that is if if you give that information and your players aren't like a hundred percent on the rules and you're like like you're you're talking about some strange edge case like maybe if you say it's possible for more than one person to die today and players don't realize that it's possible for like somebody to be executed from the Saranovis and also the normal execution for the day. Um, if it's a newer group that, I don't know, I feel like um, that uh, sort yeah. of thing I could be misleading. I yeah, I wouldn't do it in a newer group. Um, yeah. Information that, information that relies on being really familiar with the edition it is, is a veteran-only thing. But if you've got the opportunity, it makes it much more fun. Like, we had a, a game... Um, the infamous Lachlan McCubbin, uh, who <laughs> cannot make cannot come up with a bad idea. Like <laughs> every idea he has, he has for a, a, a character or something is 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 a great idea. Not every, but for the sake of this argument, <laughs> um, he was he was running a game, and I think one of the pieces of it, it was either savant information or something else. Maybe it was general. I can't remember. But one of the players learnt today is the final day. And there was about, there was about eight players left alive. You know, the the day will end. The day can end. Uh, the game can end today with a um, with an evil victory because today's the final day. Something like that. And there was about eight players left alive. And we went, oh, that just that can't, that can't be true. It's just that's just impossible. That's that's a red herring. And then we figured it out, and we had, oh, wait a second. That's only true if there's a witch in the game and there's a copycat witch in the game and there's a um a psychopath and there's an alchem like it was this weird edge case that i suppose evil could t- and that was actually what lachlan was trying to communicate so wow. <laughs> that relied on a lot of game knowledge but it like it was just i can't i can't even remember if we won or lost but it was just a beautiful moment going wait a second there's eight players alive this is the final day hold up hold up every everybody this is important and the the game just changed on a dime and it was it was really beautiful and we probably lost but you know (laughs) (laughs) so yeah it sounds like if you're in the situation where you can where evil can win with eight alive that sounds like you're in a pretty rough spot (laughs) You, you can even get um like on on the i think the like the question that you were asking um about is this type of information okay? If you're asking that question, the answer is probably yes. Like I've, um, 
a character similar to the a savant one of the pieces uh, there was discussion about something not making sense and um in the game it's like I, and the the players i think it was amy said i think um i think steve has made a mistake but i'm not too sure can we confirm and i said i'm 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 not i'm not going to answer that question because I'm, I'm not quite sure what constitutes a mistake. And one of the pieces, let, let's just say it was the savant. I think it might've been a different character. But one of the pieces of information that was possibly true, possibly false was the storyteller has made a mistake this game. And it, it was false. I hadn't made a mistake. <laughs> the reason I didn't answer the question is because I came up with this idea. But what it, what it, it generated discussion. I mean, this, this is getting really weird, but the players were saying, I, I think... Oh, yes, no, it makes perfect sense. Steve has made a mistake and he's woken the wrong player or he's done this. And everyone's talking about what has gone wrong. And everything was running perfectly just because one, I put <laughs> false information in the game that was so unusual that it couldn't possibly be false. Yeah, that's a, that's one I have not thought of giving before. <laughs> I've made a mistake. <laughs> um, just if you have made a mistake, though, usually. <laughs> don't use the savant to you... reveal <laughs> I would, I would, <laughs> yeah if you have if you do make a mistake um it's usually best practice to either to just say to the group i made a mistake last night i'm not going to tell you what it is but we're going to play on and you have the knowledge that i've made a mistake yeah just just get really creative and the players will thank you for it yeah it really is kind of just like a there are no bounds it's as open-ended as the ability sounds yeah like just off the top of my head then you know if dinner was ordered one of the pieces of information could be Timothy didn't give, didn't, didn't pay for his share of the pizza. <laughs> um, <laughs> and Timothy, be, Timothy will be going, I did, I did pay for my, I swear. And I'm like, no, he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it really depends on how realistic you want to get and how, sorry, not how realistic, how, it, how much of the real world, the physical world that you would like to bring into the game. And how much of how much you just want to keep things dry and clinical? Uh, real world, real world stuff is more fun, but can go off the rails more easily. Um, yeah. More clinical stuff is probably more useful, but sort of lacks just lacks a little bit of spice sometimes. So it's up to you. All right. Do you have anything else you want to say about running the savant as the storyteller? Just, just. Just practice, practice, practice. Don't don't use savant in your first game. It's uh, until you're familiar with sex and violence and how it works. It's um, it's it's a bit easy to accidentally give give too much information to the savant. But once once you've got a hang a hang of how the edition works, put it in as put it in as many games as possible. Uh, give it as uh, give it as bluffs as many times as you can, so that you can see what players will do when there is a fake savant in the game, and just gradually build up a bit of a repertoire of what's what's interesting in the kind of information and your play your players will thank you it's um it's a really really fun character um that will allow you as the storyteller to, to really to really get into the game and you, you feel like a player as well when you're the storyteller savant when the, you're the storyteller giving information to the savant and chill chill um most savants will um within the first second and a half of each day will be have bounded out of their chair and um are standing by the group <laughs> with an eager face saying i'd like my inf information now please um because they don't um they don't quite uh, particularly a newer player doesn't understand how 
difficult it can be at times to just come up with something on the fly. So feel free to just say, um, oh, well, I just had I just had a big night in game. <laughs> uh, give me two minutes to think about it, and um, and then I'll have something for you. And you can even do that when it's a player bluffing as the savant. Just say, all right, give me two yeah. minutes to think about it. Look at the grimoire. Take your time. Come up with something that you're happy with. Um, don't 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 rush it. Just uh, just relax and come up with something interesting in your own time. Yeah. Oh, and, and on that topic, you can also come up with savant statements at night. Uh, what, what do you mean? Like in the, the night before you wake everyone up, uh, if you have a, if you have some extra time, maybe it's maybe it's a calmer night. Um, if you have some extra time, feel free to t- like while you're just pacing around, you know, making it so that it's not obvious where you're standing. Uh, you can just be thinking about like, well, what am I going to tell the savant today? Um, if, you, if you can do that, you are a more competent storyteller than I am. <laughs> <laughs> I've I've never attempted that. Uh, uh, I think that's that you can do that if if you're a bit of a multitasker, go for it. But um, that's I tend to be one thing at a time. I would rather do stuff during the day. But if you can, you want to think at night, you you go for it. Oh, I actually do have one more thing before we uh, continue. I think um, from the storyteller's perspective, you there's probably two strategies on what kind of information to give in general and it's it's going to be based on the game that you've got either you kind of just want to give the savant something interesting to get to, <laughs> this is going to sound awful to get them out of your hair <laughs> because, um something either either you're asking the question what is something interesting that i can give the savant that will be kind of useful for them um, and that's a perfectly valid way to do it. And the savant will get their information and sit down. And then you need to ask the question, the same question again. And all, all of your information is a little bit higgledy-piggledy. And it's a bit all over the place. And you're sort of just, you're making a fun game for the savant. That, that, that's perfectly perfectly fine way of doing it. The second way that the savant is really, really useful is to think of what you want the savant to believe. For example, if evil is really just just really dominating and has the good team is really floundering, think of something that you want the savant to believe. For example, you want the savant to believe that uh, Jeremy is the evil twin, or um, that the the demon is not this player. And then once you've figured out what you want the savant to believe, or conversely, if good is winning and there's really something that you want the savant to believe that isn't true, uh, just because it's fun to have this um, drastic misinformation in the game to, to balance things out a little, pick what you want them to believe and then carefully craft your information that will lead them to that belief. And that's a very different way to handle the savant. So for example, if... If um, if it's day one and there's an evil twin, evil twin and good twin in the game and the good team overwhelmingly believes that the evil twin is the evil twin, that's not hugely fun for that player. So you've made the decision, all right, I want the savant to believe that the good twin is the evil twin. Craft your information that will lead the savant to believe that. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be specific. 
uh, something like, you know, uh, Jill is the evil twin. That's, you, you can give information something like, the uh, all players that nominated yesterday were good. Or, and of course, Jill, Jill didn't nominate. Um, or information that leads, that suggests by its theme that the savant should believe this. Or if this is false, this is true. Carefully craft that information to get the savant believing that Jill is in fact the evil twin. And particularly if the savant if the savant is drunk or poisoned, giving two two pieces of true information, both of which will end in Jill's execution, or two pieces of false <laughs> false information, both of which make the evil twin look good. It's it seems like a real bastard move, but what it does is it create um it creates conflict a conflict of misinform a conflict of information in the game um that will make a really really fun game um so that's a lot trickier to do and it's not something you're going to be able to do in your first game but the savant is a great character to either lead the good team into believing believing something absolutely crucial or lead them down the garden path and believing something that is hilariously wrong and that's and there, there is no better character than the savant for doing that apart from you know, pro, uh, you know, probably no, probably none better than the savant so they're they're two different ways to generally handle the savant if you're the storyteller but always always keeping the fun the fun of the game in the back of your mind yeah, and the great thing is, like, you're still bound by, as far as what you can give them. Like, you can't just give them arbitrary information unless they're drunk or poisoned. But even in that situation, it's still going to be, like, a solvable puzzle. Like, they're, it's, you're never being unfair to the savant even when you're, giving, when you're trying to specifically lead them astray. Um, yeah, I think, that's, that, I think that's what you were trying to say before with, um, is this information okay? You, you want to be difficult, but you don't want to be unfair. Yeah, if that makes sense. I think but, that does make sense. But yeah, if if you happen to get a drunk or poison savant in game, like just go for it. Just yes. <laughs> <laughs> the gloves are off, especially because it's it's harder to set that up in Sex and Violets. Like you can't just choose to make them drunk. You just it, uh, like, true. the players have to draw the tokens in the right way. <laughs> what well, you can, you can just you can just put a sweetheart in the game, and uh, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> and as soon as the sweetheart dies, then you can make the savant drunk. <laughs> um, yeah i think um yeah when you when you see the the most fun games are games with a huge amount of information and a huge amount of conflicting information that people are enthusiastically and good-naturedly trying to disentangle as opposed yeah. to a game that has a few pieces of absolutely confirmed information and a whole bunch a, li a whole big list of things which are absolutely impossible because that's sort of makes the evil players feel like backed up against a wall. Um, so yeah. the, the savant is a great character for just creating, creating a talk heavy information, heavy game. And it's totally up to you as the storyteller, how you use it. All right. Well, I think that about brings us to the end of the episode then. Thank you so much for being on once again, Stephen. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. Was was there anything that you um, that you wanted to add to the savant, or anything anything you disagree with? Because I'm always interested in hearing about new ways to 
new ways to play the character or new ways to run it. I mean, I no, I I think that <laughs> I don't. I think it's hard to find something to disagree with. Um, the only thing maybe is like about the hypothetical situations. Like I've run into situations where that's caused problems a couple times. Okay. Uh, so maybe I'd be a little bit more careful with that than you might have suggested. But I don't. I I mean, I don't even feel that very strongly. So it's. <laughs> Okay. Um, that's probably me just misjudging how experienced the players are, you know? <laughs> yeah. Sometimes if sometimes you, you stuff up as the storyteller and sometimes you do everything right and it doesn't turn out the way you want. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I would, I would still encourage you to experiment even, even more with maybe if, if that particular type of information doesn't gel well with your players, uh, it, experiment with something similar but different and just see what does all right well this has been the cult of the clock tower with blood on the clock tower creator steven medway uh i think that was a good discussion yeah uh thanks for having it It, thanks for having me it really is a just a huge pleasure to be here absolutely um anything you want to tell the listeners through this medium (laughs) uh I, I, you can also just say no and I'll end the episode. I'll cut this part out. Uh, but in case there is anything you want to say. <laughs> Last interview was three hours. Uh, this one was two. The next the next one will be one. <laughs> we'll, we'll get it down to a digestible amount. Um, I, guess, I guess just um, whatever, you do, whatever you do in Clock Tower in general and but particularly with the Savant, have fun. Don't get too don't get too bogged down in the proper way to do things or the proper way to play something. Just experiment and and have fun and see what works and see what doesn't. Awesome. And with that, listeners, you can hear more episodes of the Cult of the Clock Tower. Uh, new ones come out every other week. And yeah, until next time, I'll talk to you later. Thank you. Hey everyone, so at the end of our discussion here, Stephen and I decided to record a little bit more and just talk about some interesting stories that we could share about the Savant. Some of this discussion didn't record correctly, so it ends a little bit abruptly and there's a little bit missing from it, Uh, but I think that it was still a good discussion and something that was pretty important to talk about, so I'm including it here at the end. Uh, Anyway, this is going to end a little bit abruptly, so sorry about that, but enjoy the rest of the discussion, or at least what recorded properly. Yeah, so the one thing that comes to mind from a recent game, it didn't actually have the savant in it. It was a game of laissez unfair, but someone was bluffing as the savant. And as one of their fake savant statements, they gave, there are exactly two two characters in play whose character icons have a face. This just completely derailed the game as everyone debated which characters had a face. They were like, does the widow have a face? And then somebody pointed out the am- that the amnesiac, like within the question mark, has a little face there, <laughs> and this just like this whole thing, this this yeah, very simple yeah. bluffed savant statement just completely derailed the game, and it was really funny. Yeah, yeah, um, that's that's a that's a great example of of what I was talking about. With you could have just said one of these characters is in the game, but because of that, yeah, because the information <laughs> was so interesting, it made the game fun. Uh, Evan recently ran. Uh, an amnesiac, which was basically the savant, hmm. but the the their ability was each night choose a choose a, choose a player. Uh, you learn 
if there is an A, the letter A in their character name. Like how many <laughs> A's are in their character name? So you've got this player waking up, choosing a player and getting zero, one or two each <laughs> night. And they're like, what the hell? <laughs> and it, it just made a really interesting game. Some of the most fun I've I've had as Savant has been um, Last Saint Alphair. I didn't want to talk about that too much. But when you've got a Savant and five players, the overlapping of information is is so just so fantastic, um, uh, particularly with uh, Leviathans, which gives you five days. Mm-hmm. One one story I, I did want to uh, did want to mention was not a Savant player, but I had a I had a uh, a new player. Oh, he wasn't new. He was just he was just a pretty quiet player until he until he found his feet. And Dennis, if you're if you're listening, this is this is a this is a Dennis story. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, Dennis had not done really much outrageous bluffing since joining Clock Tower, and I think it might have even been the first time he got the demon. It was certainly the first time that he went like just gangbusters, and he bluffed out of the blue as the savant. I can't even remember if I gave him that character as the storyteller. And it was a huge Sex and Violets game. And for a player that was previously previously quite to recording his information every day, sharing it with specific people, coming out with the whole load at the end, I've never seen a more convincing, successful, undoubtable bluff. Like when, when the evil team won on... Uh, the good team was absolutely flabbergasted. We were like, we, we don't have the words to congratulate how good a bluff that was. Um, and it was, and that's one of the reasons why I do like taking notes is because he, he'd come up with this just a, this unbelievably convoluted story that made himself look like an angel uh, from, a, from a player that was not known for outrageous bluffs. And then up and, and that was, that was like, uh, Every game after that game was like, yeah, Den- Dennis might be quiet, but they'll remember that one Savant game. <laughs> <laughs> we we better kill him now, just to be sure. <laughs> but it was just beautiful to see on a on a personal level. Um, I feel like the best Savant stories actually often come from bluffs. <laughs> really? Yeah, I I've, I've found I found the opposite. Really? Have you? I do you have a, a good example? I mean, it might just be the case that I'm being a bit too cautious with what I'm telling savants. I don't know. I just feel like I've my favorite moments in games are often when the savant is bluffing and totally gets away with it. Or they just totally trap themselves. And just yeah. like seeing how that turns out is off, often really fun for me. I think, I think it's probably less interesting from the storyteller's point of view, but it's really fun from a player's point of view. Trying to figure out whether the, the savant's telling the truth or not. Because always in the back of your mind, you're thinking, if this is a bluff, this is the best bluff ever. Yeah. And then every so often it actually is. Yeah, maybe that's why I've just noticed it more when it's the someone bluffing as the savant. Because when I'm giving the information, it's like, oh, yeah, this will be interesting. <laughs> and But when somebody else, like like watching somebody else bluff a bunch of crazy information has stood out more to me. But maybe that's just because yeah. I'm not like the the source of that information. I, I really like to see that when it happens. I think um, it just hasn't happened a huge, hugely frequently for me. Can you think of any games that you've played where you feel like like you've really accomplished what you wanted to do with the savant? Like maybe there was something you really wanted them to believe and you totally succeeded at it. Oh, uh, yeah, this is... It was a, it was a last thing fair game. 
And I spent the entire game telling the savant information about uh, the outsider that was in the game. Every single day it was, you are sitting next to an outsider or something, something. The mutant is two steps away from the minion or something, something. The lunatic has no clue that they're the lunatic or something, something. And there were no outsiders in the game. The demon was bluffing <laughs> as uh, the balloonist. <laughs> so, and like, and, and the, this poor savant was just sitting there going, oh, I know all of this information about these outsiders, but I can't mention I can't, the, the mutant can't reveal that they're the mutant or we lose the game. <laughs> uh, and the lunatic isn't going to reveal that they're the lunatic, but I don't know whether it's a lunatic or a mutant. So it got to the end of the game and I'd actually given the savant all, all this, all that something, something was great information, but I just kept hammering the outsider narrative and <laughs> it was just really funny. Yeah. I don't know if I've, I don't think I've ever tried that. <laughs> Oh, it's just, I was almost feeling sorry for, <laughs> I think it was Harry at the time, our Savant player. But also really fun because you're, the information is there and you're watching them put the pieces together and they've almost got it. They've almost got it. And if they do get it, it's just really satisfying. Yeah, yeah. A game I played on stream recently, uh, I was the Savant, and I remember some, like the most interesting thing that happened in that game was I learned that like nobody got misinformation last night as one of my end pieces of info the other piece of in and then later a mathematician comes out and says the same thing so i'm like okay i feel like that's the true one but then it turned out that they were bluffing and like and this was before the storyteller like knew that they were bluffing savant so or sorry that they were bluffing mathematician so that just like worked out perfectly that's that's a really good piece of information to give the savant yeah is um about everyone got true information last night is a fantastic piece of information or this is basically mathematician yeah or, you know one 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 player someone is drunk or poisoned is also a great piece of information because the, the, the group starts asking who's drunk who's poisoned yeah yeah of course no one is, <laughs> but yeah or the savant themselves is <laughs> um there was one thing i actually i did want to mention i thought it would come up but there's there's so much information that you give that is dubious as, as whether it's real world or not. For example, the clockmaker is sitting next to the flower girl. The word sitting is a real, it's not a game term, that's a real world thing. But also with like presuppositions and the way you structure sentences, even though it might be more useful, more consistent and clear to construct your sentences in it with a specific grammar, uh, a, a, a specific meaning in mind. For example, never using a false presupposition like the flower girl something when there is no flower girl. Mm -hmm. If if you're too strict on the type of information you give the savant in that way, it makes it really difficult for players to bluff as the savant. Yeah. Um, for example, you, you're going to get a player that says, oh, the information that I got last night was the flower, the, the, the seamstress hasn't used their ability and minions, minions don't have beards. And someone will easily say, all right, we know that you're lying because the storyteller doesn't give real world information and the storyteller doesn't use false presuppositions. And yeah. that makes 
that creates a environment a, it creates a mental environment of fear of saying the wrong thing when bluffing as a character and that's not what cocktails about cocktails about just you can bluff you can do it you can just go for it anything goes so that's why i like to keep things really vague in terms of what constitutes truth is because it allow down the track once your your players will have an easier time bluffing which makes the game more fun over over a long period because people f- feel free to just speak naturally instead of speaking in this codified language that only st- storytellers and savants and people who've asked mm. the questions know so it's it's one of those ideas that can be good in the short term but can backfire it can backfire in the long term yeah that's a really good point it's a lot of lot of design decisions in clock tower have, have been based around always 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 encouraging the players to talk and to be able to talk freely without fear of saying the wrong thing and letting their team down there's a few characters that that break that rule um and they're in the advanced edition but generally I, I just want everyone to feel comfortable to say whatever they want whenever they want cool yeah i agree with that that's something i hadn't really thought about in that context before so it's really good for you to bring that up no, it's it's just something. It's it's one of those suggestions that I've heard a lot, and it it's it sounds like a really good suggestion under the assumption that all of your players are uni- university science students um, <laughs> that will that will adhere to those rules. But it's it's not a it's um yeah it's um it's it's got a hidden barb to it that um like for if if I joined if I joined a game I would be as the savant and i don't know the the storyteller or the sorry as a character bluffing as the savant i wouldn't want to have to ask what what's the etiquette and protocol around the information i'd 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 want to be able to just focus on the game and focus on whatnot without people saying uh uh, that that information is impossible you would have been told this or that i I just think that's a sort of not the way that i'd like the game to be played 